Good morning. It's good to see you here this morning. You guys ready for Thanksgiving? I am. Just like I'm usually ready for Christmas. It's not fair, but I'm ready. I'm ready to eat and enjoy. Actually, we're going to be going up north, uh, visiting my cousin, and so we're looking forward to spending some time with her. Let's pause before we continue our series on Believe and ask the Lord to open our eyes and our understanding. Father, you have told us that without faith it is impossible to please you. And you've told us, Lord, that all it takes is the faith of a mustard seed to be able to say to a mountain, get up and move, and it would. And so, Lord, we come here recognizing that what we really need isn't a lot of faith, but the right faith, faith in you. And Lord, help us with our unbelief. Help us to understand what we can do to exercise this most important thing we call faith. We ask for your understanding and illumination in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Well, we've been having a conversation for the past few weeks called Believe. And as I said, it's on faith. And this is actually going to be the last one because next week we are going to be starting our Advent series because it is that time of year. And so I'd wanted to to cover a couple more. And so actually I did a talk Wednesday on the Believe, even though it was Janot and that. So if you weren't here Wednesday, you kind of missed part of it. But what we, we did is we started off laying a foundation, the foundation of faith, why faith is so important, how it is the, the foundation that we are to build our relationship with God on. Even as we said, without it is impossible to please God. And it's something that though we don't see it, it is substantial, it is there. Much like radio waves are filling this room right now, but we don't see them. It's just because we are not tuned in. Many times what's necessary is for us to just be tuned in and aware of God because he is here. He is all around us. And if we don't recognize that, then the invisible will stay invisible instead of recognizing that everything that is made was made out of that which was invisible. And we look forward to those things that are yet unseen. That's what faith is. That's what Hebrews tells us. And then Michael gave us a great talk on the importance of faith and not losing it and keeping that fire to to live for God and not let it become something that dissolves or disappears in our lives, that we are meant to be people of faith. And if we stop walking in that, we really stop living this life that we call Christian because that is so intricate to who we are as followers of Jesus or it's supposed to be. 
And then last week I talked about the heart of faith and we looked at two examples in the book of Hebrews. We looked at Abel who did nothing miraculous, but he did come before God with an offering. And though he recognized that he was not worthy to come before God, he also would not leave until he had God's presence available in his life. And we see that faith is coming to God because he has first come to us and made the way, unlike his brother Cain who tried to earn his acceptance with God. And then Enoch walked with God, and then he was not. Again, not someone who did anything miraculous. All he did was walk with God, but that was everything. And then Wednesday, I talked about actually that walk of God with Noah. And just to recap, you know, Noah basically was the one who God found favor with. I mean, the... the account in Genesis chapter 6 is God looked and there was nothing but evil in the world and God was sorry that he'd made man and so he was going to wipe man out but then he saw Noah and he saw that he had walked pleasing to the Lord and because Noah was already living a life that was pleasing to God he was then able to be the man for the occasion that God could use and I spoke about how If we want to be the people who are used by God, we have to start living in that presentation now. We don't wait for it to come and then, okay, now God use me. We have to be training. We have to be prepared and living that life, a faithful life, so that when God does call us, we are ready because of how we've been living. And today we're going to conclude and talk about the eyes of faith. And again, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. So if you want to turn there, if you need a copy of the scriptures, raise your hand and they'll bring one out to you. But we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 11. And again, I want to read verse 1 before we jump down a little bit because it is really leading us into this entire chapter. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And the writer says, this is what the ancients were commended for. They were commended for believing this. And so we're going to start at verse 8. And we're going to go through the accounts of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and touch on Moses as well. And so eleven, chapter 11, verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though... He did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Now, as we start here and we think about this, okay, Abraham went to a place he didn't know and he made his home in the promised land. And when you think of making your home in the promised land, doesn't it sound like that's going to be great? My home is now in the promised land. But it says here he was living in tents. Any of you go camping? I don't do camping. I've had to do camping, but I don't do it willfully. Uh, And if I do go camping, I want the air mattress. I want a generator so I can charge my phone. 
so I can charge my iPad. I'm just not one of those kind of people who love to go out camping. Now, my wife, my kids, they like going camping. Oh, boy, this will be fun. It's like, why? I like hotels, plush beds, swimming pools. I don't mind the ocean. I don't mind, you know, waking up and seeing a beautiful scenery, but I don't like waking up sweaty because I'm in a hot tent that doesn't have ventilation. You see, they started in tents and they moved into homes. Why would you go back? And here they are in tents. It doesn't sound very comfortable. It doesn't sound like, yes, we've arrived. We have a tent. Yet this is the promise that they're living in. Verse 10, it says, He was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. And we start to see something emerging here in this chapter. We start to see that faith is leaning into a future. And we also start to see that faith is something that someone has, but they have it for other people. And so he was looking forward to a city whose foundation, whose architect and builder was God. He didn't have it yet. He was looking forward to it. And and even as the first verse tells us, faith is... It's what? The confidence of what we hope for. And we've talked about hope is always in the future. And faith is always leaning towards the future. It's leaning towards something. It's trusting God for something. And so get it out of your mind that when you have faith, you've arrived. No, when you have faith, you may still be living in a tent. Y'all on board? See, just the sound of that, living in a tent. It's like, I'm waiting for the city. I, I want the city. When we added a room in our house, I didn't really do it as well thought out as I should have. Looking back, it took much longer than it really should have, but that's kind of how I roll. See, one weekend, Corrine went to Mexico with, I think, two of the kids. And when she was gone, I said, let's tear out the kitchen. (laughs) Seriously, she didn't know. She left, and when she came home, the kitchen was gone. The kitchen was gone, and you could see outside our backyard from inside our house. There was no wall In the back, we tore out the back wall. Surprise, honey. My reasoning was, well, she went to Mexico, so she had some rough living. When she comes back, it won't be so traumatic. It wasn't true. And so for about a year, 
we we lived without a kitchen and, and in our living room we ended up putting plastic because we didn't want all the the dirt or animals to come inside our house and, and so we had this plastic sheet that I was really proud of. I made it up and it was pretty sturdy for plastic, although if you had a knife you could come right in. You know and there next to our TV, we had the refrigerator, which I was really sad to see that go because I kind of like that right there. And then we had the microwave, which was our kitchen, and then the bathtub was our sink. And so we lived this way, but you see, we were waiting for the day when the kitchen would be done. We were waiting for the day when the plastic would come down. And so just like Corrine left and came back and there was no wall one day she went out shopping or doing something and she came back and i tore the plastic down because the room had been built and we had finished it so that it was all there and sealed up and so when she came in she actually got to see it's done and she was like oh my gosh it's done and she was all smiling and we went and we had dinner there in the new room edition it was still cement we hadn't laid the tile there were still months of work to be done but you see hoping for that kitchen to be done, hoping for that room addition to be completed. You're living in a place of anticipation. You're not living in a place of contentment. You're leaning into something. And so when we are going to have faith or when you're going to have faith in God for something and you think of what it is in your life that you're trusting God for, maybe it is a financial situation, maybe it's a situation with family or your children or your parents or a work situation or school, this area where you want to trust God, realize that you are leaning into something and you are going to have to go through the build-out. You're going to have to live in the tent. You're going to have to journey. You're going to have to experience what it is to not see what you want, but to trust that it's there. And that's difficult. But faith is difficult. And so we see Abraham and Sarah are living in this place where they are waiting, but they are waiting for something that hasn't yet come. And then we see that just like Noah was used to save humanity, Abraham is going to be used and he is going to bless the nations. His his offspring are going to be like the sand on the seashore, like the stars on the sky. Through him, all the nations of the world will be blessed. But right now, he's living in a tent. It doesn't seem like a blessing right now. But he's leaning forward. And we start to see that we're leaning forward, but we're not just leaning forward for ourselves. We're actually leaning forward for others. Verse 13, he says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Now that sounds beautiful, but that's kind of uncomfortable. They saw them from a distance. They died in faith. What does that mean? They died, but they didn't get the house done. How are you feeling now? 
little uneasy? I want, I want the house done. I want it out of the tent. I want the air conditioner on. What do you mean? They died and hadn't seen it. Well, they saw it from a distance. Again, they saw what was yet to come. How do you do that? How can you do that? Why would you do that? Why would you have faith in something when you don't get to live it? What's going on here? Verse 14, people who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, and he has prepared a city for them. And so it takes an upswing here. Okay, they, they are longing for the city, a heavenly one. And again, when we think of a heavenly city, we think of heaven. Okay, when I die and by and by, I'll go up to a cloud somewhere, those kinds of things. But that's not the promise that he's talking about. A heavenly city isn't something when they die, they get to. It's God doing something here, but it's not now, but it will be. And they believe it and they see it as happening. And what happens now is their faith journey becomes the building stone that God uses to accomplish his work. To bring in, to usher in this new realm, this new kingdom. The kingdom of God, Jesus said, is among you. It's here now. The day has come. It finally arrived. They didn't see it except from a distance. But they were a part of it being there. And so God would say to them, I'm proud to be their God. Why? Because they lived a life anticipating and trusting what I would do. And I did it. Even though they didn't see it, they were a part of the work I was doing. And so what we start to see is now faith is leaning into the future, something we hope for, but it's also leaning with the hope of doing something for someone else and not just for ourselves. All these examples of faith that we're reading here are building something for someone else and not just for themselves. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. And so we know this story. God tells Abraham, I'm going to use you and bless the world through you. And Abraham says, how can that be? I don't have any kids. I'm going to have to leave everything to my servant. And then Sarah says, I got an idea. Take the handmaid. You can sleep with her and we'll have children through them. Abraham says, okay, you say so. And so they have 
a child, but it's not through the child of promise. And God says, no, it's not going to be through him. It's not through Ishmael. It's going to be through Isaac. And in their old age, they have a child. It is the promise. It is everything that God has promised has now been placed in this person, Isaac. And then here in this promise, in this hope for his future, God says, I want you to take Isaac and I want you to offer him. And Isaac's not just a little boy at this time. He's a young man. And Abraham believes the promise of God so much that he says, okay, you told me that it's going to be through my son. This is the son. You provided him. If necessary, you will raise him from the dead. Because I believe what you say more than what I'm seeing. Because this makes no sense to me. See, sometimes the way God works makes no sense to us. It's not how you would rationally go through something. It's not how you would build something. It's not the way you might do things. And when we went through Genesis, we, we saw that, well, what kind of God would make someone sacrifice their own son? And in the time that that was written, there were a lot of gods that were doing it, but the, the point of this story was not this one. This one will provide himself the offering, the lamb for the sacrifice. But more than that, what we see is Abraham saying, I'm going to live beyond my reason. I'm not going to limit you to just the things that I understand. And that is so difficult for us. You know, years ago when I I felt like I, I wanted God to do something more through my life. I can remember a moment when I heard some things that challenged my soul that said, you can't keep living this life. It's comfortable, it's easy, but it's not enough for you. And I was on staff at a a church and I had a salary and things were going well and all of a sudden I felt like God was going to just push me. I'm like, okay, God, if you're going to push me, right? If God, you know, closes the door, he opens a window. Not always. Sometimes God closes a door, closes a window, and you've got to climb a wall. And that event led to a series of events, some of the most difficult that I've experienced where I found myself without a a job, without the securities that I had, without work, grappling just to move forward. Why? Because there was something that I had to do that was more important than the things that I was experiencing. And I wasn't going to let my experience stop me from going to that place. But I got to tell you, just being honest, I wasn't real willing to go. It wasn't like, yes, God, I'm a man of faith. Here I go. No, I was like standing at the cliff going, wait, what's going on? And God's saying, go. Okay? I'm serious. I was like, ah, God, help me. And I was panicking because, oh, my gosh, this 
This isn't working out like I wanted to. God, if you were leading me, wouldn't you be providing wherever God guides, he provides. You heard that? Yeah, that ain't always true. It ain't in scripture. I'm telling you. There's a lot of times God guides, but there is no provision. But there has to be trust. And there has to be leaning into the hope for what we don't see. And it was difficult. And I was crawling on my hands and knees just to get forward. But I can't imagine, looking back, not taking that leap. Genesis would not be here if it wasn't for those scrapes and those bruises and that difficulty. Because I had to lean forward into something that wasn't yet and I had to trust God for it and it was difficult to get there and it's still moving. You see, because Genesis is not yet what it should be. Still leaning. We're still pressing forward. But we find that all of a sudden this faith that we are to have is a faith that moves us to areas where we are uncertain. It challenges us in ways that aren't comfortable and that don't make sense sometimes to to believe in an invisible God that he speaks to us and challenges us to live in a way that brings honor to him sometimes is not rational in the world that we live in, but by doing that we start to see the promises of God unfold before us. And if I didn't take a step, or if God didn't push me, I wouldn't be here. And I can't imagine not being here. And I, I look back sometimes, and I'm so, even when things are, are really difficult, I, I look back and I'm so glad that I'm here. I remember when I got a a new job, and this was like my sixth new job, you know, those periods of time. And and I'd been working in construction, and I remember working as a a pipe fitter, doing fire sprinklers, and the business was really slow, so we went into residential. And so we were doing uh, fire sprinklers and residential houses that had to be, you know, or pre-fitted because it was the existing house. We had to go in the house. And I can remember crawling in an attic full of insulation where there's just this much room. You know, you can't turn around. You can't move this way. And I don't like those kinds of places, right? I'm like, you know, I'm hearing things. I'm hearing rats. You know, I'm just sitting there and I'm crawling. And it was in the summer, so it was like 190 degrees in this attic. And I'm just crawling in there and I'm just thinking, oh God, I'm in hell. You know, this is terrible. And I can remember getting another job after that where I was working at a lumber company. And when I have a bad day, I'd say, at least you're not in that addict. Right? And I'd be like, I'm happy to be here. It's so much better than there. And that's how I felt when I left where I was, even though this was something that I think some people would have thought, well, you're full-time in ministry. There you are. I can't imagine not being here. And every now and then when I start to think, man, this is difficult, I'm so glad I'm not there. Because this has been transitional for me and for my life. It's been important. 
In verse 20, it says, By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their, what? Future. The, the blessing is being passed along. And it's kind of funny when you read this because there's a lot missing in this little sentence, right? I mean, you know the story of Jacob and Esau, right? Isaac, Rachel, Esau, man's man. He hunts bears with a knife, you know, cuts out their heart, takes it and eats it for sustenance, you know, hairy guy. Esau is like Russell Crowe. Jacob's like Johnny Depp. (laughs) They're just different. And so Rachel, mom, says, I got an idea. Your dad's going to give out the blessing. Go and pretend to be your brother. And Jacob's like, Mom, I'm not like him. Not all hairy and stuff. And she, she goes, it's okay, I'll fix it. She put some hair on it and she fixed it up so that it would, you know, work well. By the way, if you're a mom, don't do that, okay? Don't. Let God play things out. Don't try and manipulate your children's life to the point where you start taking the role of God out. And we know that God then uses Jacob. He blesses him, but it's a lot of difficulty. He has to run for his life because he's worried his brother's going to kill him because his brother was going to kill him. Finally, they're reunited. But it wasn't as simple as this plays out. But the purpose here is to tell us that it was building towards a future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. And there's another story, right? A lot's missing. Well, we know, yeah, it wasn't that easy for Joseph, right? No, Jacob didn't learn his lesson, and so he had a favorite, Joseph. Joseph was his favorite, and so he, he liked her. I mean, he liked his Rachel, his wife, and Joseph, his son, and so he became his favorite. His brothers were envious, sold him into slavery. Joseph goes into Egypt. He, he's basically a slave. He works his way to the top of Potiphar's house. He gets thrown into prison again because he's accused falsely and then works his way back up to second only under Pharaoh. Not the way you would plan on it. If it was, you know, here's your plot, what you're going to do, here's your succession. That's not the way I would want it to go. But that's what had happened. And then finally, when Joseph comes back, Jacob blesses his sons, and it's interesting because he blesses the younger instead of the older, just like what happened to him. But then we see that by faith, verse 22, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. Now, Joseph was second under Pharaoh. He was in prime position, and yet he talked about when you guys leave. I can imagine being one of you know, his descendants. Leave? Why should we leave? We got it made here. You set the stage for us. You set the table. We're going to live off of the land, and we're in great standing. Everything looks good. But then in Exodus chapter 1, there's this verse that says that the Pharaoh 
forgot all about Joseph. The king of Egypt forgot all about Joseph. And all of a sudden, there's a whole lot of Israelites kind of worried about them. And so they ended up being slaves. Here they were trusting these things. Oh, this is how it's supposed to be. But Joseph remembered the promise of God. He says, no, I want you to take my bones and bury them out. And he wasn't saying that just so that they would take his bones out. What he was doing is saying, you need to remember the promise, the future that God has told us. Don't camp here. Don't set up home here. This isn't where we're living. Lean into the promise. And the time will come. And when the time comes, don't forget my bones because this is what God has promised. You see, so many times, I think, in, in churches, we want to develop a security. When I was in Europe and we'd go through in, in London and in Wales, there are some amazing churches, buildings that are just incredible. I mean, there are they are feats of art feats of art they're magnificent they're incredible and there is no one in them some of them are restaurants some of them are houses for other areas of worship and you see what happened is somewhere down the line the people held on to their tradition and they love their traditions more than they love their children And they loved their tradition more than they wanted sacrifice. And so they would not change. And so they died. And Joseph is telling the children, you cannot live here. You have to press on to the promise. You are here for a purpose. You need to move forward in that. Otherwise, you will die. And we will do the same thing. I remember when we we first started as a community, I used to say it, and I don't say it as often as I probably should. We we don't go to church. We are the church. And I think I said that for a while because we really didn't have a church or a place. We we met in a house for a while on a Friday. And then we decided, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to have a Sunday service. And so we met in the backyard on a Sunday. But it was kind of hot and it was kind of windy. And we said, okay, we got to do something else. And so then we moved to a school and we met at a school. And then we met at the school on a Wednesday night or a Thursday night, I forget. And then the school had construction, so we had to leave the school. And so we moved to the recreation center. And then we also moved to my house because we were at my house on Wednesday or Thursday, I don't remember, and then we were at the recreation center, and then now we're here. And so we've been traveling around. I remember seeing someone at Starbucks one time, and I said, hey, how's it going? They go, hey, where are you? Uh, I go, I'm right here. No, where are you guys? I went up to the school. You're not there. Oh, yeah, we moved there. Oh, where are you? And then I hopefully... When we moved here, you know, I didn't see him again. So I don't know. I have to run into him at Starbucks. So we keep transitioning. Why? We're not a building. We we don't have a, a place, but we are the place. Now, it doesn't mean we don't want a building. It would be wonderful. But we are always going to be leaning towards that future, to the promise that we believe God has put us here for because I'm not going to worry about stability more than sacrifice. We, we need to move forward into these things because the promise takes place 
in the difficult time and it pushes us to trust God for the things he wants to do. And we may never see him completed. But you see, the important thing is the best way to preserve our future is to live for the future of others. So I'm not living just for my future. I'm just going, yeah, I want to be here in 10 years. No, I want your kids to be there in 10 years. It's not about where I'm at. It's about where our kids are. And so I want to move for them, not for me. Stability doesn't come for us. If I want to build stability, I want to build a future for the next generation. And so that's why it's important for us to move forward and to to change and to step out of our comfort zone. A, A year ago, we, we took a step about this time and said, we're going to build a cafeteria in Haiti. This last Wednesday, I handed the second check for $10,000 to Jeannot so that he could finish the cafeteria in Haiti. To me, that was monumental. That, that was something that was... Look at what we did, because when I die, there will be a cafeteria that we all built, that kids can be in. And I want to build that future and continue building those futures. And so what was puzzling to me and troubling, truthfully, to me is here us, a small community, took on this incredible task, raised $20,000 and build this building in another country, monumental, incredible, and it's something that we can look at and say, look what God did. And it was tough. It cost us, and it's still costing us. But look what we did. See, I'd rather do that than do nothing than be comfortable. But here was a monumental event. We're handing a check for $10,000, but where was everybody? If you could have seen Jeannot's expression when I told him we were going to be giving him the balance of the money. If you could have heard him say, you know, you have given children not only a place to eat, but a place to eat with dignity. If you could have been there, you could have been moved towards this future that we're wanting to build. Because it took place there. And it took place at that time, in that moment. And you see, it is moments like that that we have to step into as a community and as individuals so that we can see the work of God unfold in our lives because that's what faith is. So many times it's like, well, I don't want to go to church. Why? I don't know. Just tired. I'm bored. Do you not know what may happen with you there? Do you not know what potential is there? Because you're not there just to receive. Do you know what you can be a part of and do and give? You might be a part of something incredible, extraordinary. You might be the stepping stone that God starts to build and develop. Turn with me quickly to Jeremiah chapter 29. A passage we're familiar with. 
In verse 4 it says, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. See, God carried them from exile to Babylon. He tells them, okay, you're here. This is the stage. You're in exile. You're, you're basically taken captive in this foreign country. What do you want us to do, God? Okay, how are you going to get us out of this, God? Verse 5, he says, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. What were they saying? They were saying, God is going to deliver us. God's going to get us out of here. He's saying, no, you need to plant, you need to marry, you need to hang out and get yourself well situated there. Verse 10, he says, this is what the Lord says when 70 years are completed for Babylon. Let that sink in. Where will you be in 70 years? Yeah, some of us. Like, okay, next. Um, 70 years are completed in Babylon. I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And so you see that this promise, this beautiful promise of hope and a future is given to people who will probably die in captivity. But they are leaning into the future, not for themselves, but for their children's children. They are saying, take my bones and bury them there because that is where I'm going. A city whose architect and builder is God. I am building that. I am the material that God is using to build that future. And so I'm going to raise my children. I'm going to grow the crops. I'm going to prosper and do all I can and be ready for when that day comes. Not for me, maybe, Maybe not even for my children, maybe for my grandchildren. But when that day comes, I will have prepared everything so that they can make that move. So many times we think it's just about us and we try and build a future for ourselves. We want stability and we think faith is having what we want now. God, give me this now. And God says, no, I want you to lean into what you don't see. And don't lean for yourself, but lean for those who will come after you. Have faith enough for them and live postured so that the momentum of your life will be example to their life and they can follow in your steps because you have paved the way and shown them what it looks like to be a person of faith walking with God, living with God through the difficulties, through the hard times. Who cares how you act when everything's good? Your children don't need to see an example then. They need to see you when you have nothing and see what you trust God like then. Then is when you're paving the way. That's when you're leaning into the future. That's when you're setting the example. Trust 
There is an architect who is building a city. And I am leaning towards that, not just for myself, but for them. They weren't looking forward for the city. They were a part of the material that God was using to build that city. Be the people today who are building the kingdom for tomorrow. Verse 24, he said, or verse 23, By faith Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. Moses' parents defied the king, the genocide that was taking place because Moses was going to be the one to deliver these people. The kingdom of God is among us, yet we're waiting for it to come. And so many times we live in this place, well, what does that mean? You know, the kingdom of God's coming, but you're saying that we're supposed to live like the kingdom of God is here. How do you do that? When, if you were going to Hawaii, pick a nice place, you would start preparing and packing for Hawaii. You'd get your shorts, you'd get your sandals, your swimming trunks. You, you would get the things necessary to go to Hawaii. If you were going to Colorado, you wouldn't take the same things, right? You would take the parka, you'd take the, the gloves, you'd take the things preparing you for that. We are to be people who are living like the kingdom of God is a reality so that when the reality comes, we have paved the way for it to be here. That's what faith is. Be the people today who are living for the kingdom that will be tomorrow. And so we don't care less about the government, about the planet. Ah, who cares? It's all going to burn anyway. No, I'm preparing for the kingdom that God is building so that when it's here... I'm ready for it. Or if I'm not ready for it, my kids or my grandkids or my great-great-great-grandkids are, it doesn't matter. I am postured in that way because I know the reality that is coming and I'm going to live as if that reality is today. And so faith is not for you to get what you want. It's for you to lean into the future that God has for you, for your children, for the next generations to come. So what are we going to do? What do we see happening in our future? What is the vision? I, I want God to move among us. I, I'm not content to be here and just have a little, I love you all, great. I Really, I do. But if we were going to just stay here and die together, I, I, I would have to just say, no, I, I've got to move on. We have to move on. We are making some changes in the things that we are doing. We, we are currently sponsoring two things in Mexico, a couple, Victor and Sonia and Rosarito, and we've been sponsoring a group out in Vizcaino. We are looking to, to develop some relationships with an orphanage that we met with some people the last time we were down there. Wouldn't it be great if we were able to sponsor an orphanage? Wouldn't that be wonderful? You know, when Janot was here and he said, yeah, we've given the kids a place to eat, 
They still need to get food. Sometimes they don't have food. Wouldn't it be great if we could provide the money so that all those kids at that school could have lunch every day? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that be a legacy that we could leave and and lean into that? I have some friends in La Paz who just left their church because they feel that God wants to do more in their lives. I so resonate with where they're at because that's where I was. And so these five people stepped out and said, well, we're going to be a church now. Wouldn't it be great if we could sponsor them and maybe help them afford a building when they're ready to step into that and be a support, have a a church down in La Paz and be a support to that? Wouldn't it be great if we had a vision beyond ourselves so if we could lean into those things and see them take place? But we have to desire those things and we have to desire the things that God wants to do here. We have the kids at Healthy Start. There's so much more we could do. If we had a building, we could do so much more. We could make it look like our own building and not a school. We, we could have all our functions there. It would be wonderful. Wouldn't it be great to be able to lean into that? Why? Just so we could have our own things? No, so that we could affect more and more people. But that's got to be something we lean into. Not just me, not just the leadership, all of us. This is our community. We can do this together. Just like we built a cafeteria in Haiti, we can help sponsor an orphanage. We can provide food. We can help a church get started. We, what, so much more we could do. Do we have faith? Because if we don't lean into those things, they will never happen. And sometimes it's scary. It's been scary, truthfully, this past year, just the money we took for Haiti. We accomplished it, but it's been scary. I'm good with scary. I'd rather be scared than complacent any day. I figure if I'm not scared, I'm not doing things right. Because following God is kind of scary. Are we ready to follow him? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Evidence of things not yet seen. Let's push forward until they become a reality. Let's pray. Father, may we learn from the example of these men and women in Scripture who lived not for themselves but for others. The promise you gave them was promised to their children, to their children's children, and to the world. Lord, may we live our lives in the same way. May we have faith that leans into the future and leans into the future of others and not just ourselves. May we look at where we are at May we evaluate ourselves and our relationship with you. May we take stock on what's going on. And if we are being too comfortable, may we make the sacrifice that is necessary. Maybe it's a sacrifice of time. Maybe it's a sacrifice of our pride and reaching out to some people who we need to. 
Maybe it's a financial sacrifice and supporting things that we want to see happen. But Lord, there is no miraculous without sacrifice. There is no faith without sacrifice. And so may we take those steps, whatever the cost, may we raise that knife and say, God, you've promised, and if you need to, you will raise the dead, but I will trust you. And may we see you do the miraculous as we put our faith in you, the invisible God. And I pray, God, as our hearts have maybe been challenged here and we are recognizing, God, you are challenging me to take that next step. Father, may we not leave here without taking a step. May it not just be something that rattles around in our mind and we think about it, but may we recognize that we have to walk just like Enoch did. We, we have to live the life just like Noah did. We have to have the eyes to see that future just like Abraham and his children did. We need to be willing to do those things to see the future we believe you have in store. Lord, we ask your help. and Lord, we commit ourselves to you in this endeavor. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. We're going to close in a last song. Happy Thanksgiving if I don't see you guys between now and then. Again, we are going to postpone the Midweeks until after the new year. We'll let you know when things are going to start up again with that. But enjoy your Thanksgiving. God bless you guys. Be an example to your family. Love one another.